So first thing I learned was there's little to no transparency. So deal typically goes to a lawyer, title company, that visibility quickly disappears. And what I mean by visibility is like, we're all used to as consumers, you know, you order something from Amazon. I got AirPods the other day. I got a text that it's arriving at 11.15 and I kid you not, by 11.20, I was on a call using those AirPods because I was able to predict and get that transparency. When it comes to closing, there's unfortunately not much. In fact, you know, a lot of the brokers we chat with don't even know when a deal is closed, right? So you have to call your client and ask, hey, Scott, did your deal actually close or did it fund today? Which is always a little bit of an embarrassing conversation because most, most of your clients look at you as... You know, you're like, the broker. Shouldn't you know the answer to that question? Like, that's, exactly. what they, that's what the customer's thinking, right? The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Reuven Gorse from Deeded.ca. Deeded is a virtual law firm that I've had the privilege of working with, and I do a live show inside of my Facebook group once a month called FinTech Fridays. And I talk to somebody who's creating a cool FinTech and Ruben would certainly qualify for that. In this conversation, we talk about where he got the idea for Deeded. We also walk through the whole entire process of what the experience is like for the customer and how obsessing about the customer experience is absolutely critical if you want to create a great business. Also on this episode, I talked to Kevin Kennedy from KDK Financial about how they don't just do car loans. So they do car loans, yes, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff they do. And before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. Very easy for borrowers to use. It's got some really cool features like smart docs, smart submission notes. It's connected to the lender spotlight. And the general consensus of brokers that have used it have thought, man, that is very simple to use and very powerful. You can check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo and uh, check out this conversation that I have with Ruben. Hey, everybody, welcome to FinTech Fridays. And so once a month, I like to do a live podcast where I bring someone on who's doing something interesting in the mortgage industry. And today I've got my friend Reuven from Deeded. And I have talked about you guys lots over the last year since you guys have kind of burst onto the scene. And you have a very interesting company, a very compelling offer that you provide to mortgage brokers, and you've had tons of growth. And so, but there's still lots of people that haven't heard about you guys. And so I want to dive into that today, kind of a little bit of that background and yeah, so we'll get into it. So thanks brother for coming to chat with me. Thanks for having me, Scott. Always a pleasure. Always a good chat. So if you guys have questions about anything you want to ask about Deeded, maybe just define what is Deeded and I'll get into like how you got here and stuff. So that we'll start off with that. And then any questions, put them in the chat. Nikki's going to send them to me so I see them. I'm just going to pay attention to Ruben. Otherwise my ADD, I will be, I'll be looking <laughs> over here. I'll be trying to pay a bill. It'll be bad. So just go ahead. Tell me about what is Deeded. For sure. You and me both, Scott, by the way. So Deeded is a technology platform that connects you with friendly and experienced real estate lawyers for a streamlined, transparent, and virtual real estate or mortgage closing experience. So essentially, we're taking that last mile, that last step that is ever so important to get your transaction to fund. We're streamlining, we're modernizing it, we're making it a great experience for not only you as a broker, but also obviously for your client. Right. And so what gave you the idea to start this? Because you had another business, which maybe we'll touch on, which was very interesting that you'd built and sold that I know of for sure. And then, so what prompted you to actually create this, this business? So for me, it was a personal experience. So the house that I'm in now, we bought about uh, three and a half years ago. And I still remember this. It was actually Friday. We're supposed to close. 
me and my wife are in a car. We're waiting for a call to come in from our lawyer to basically say, hey, you know, I've got the keys. You can come pick them up. And then we had a whole bunch of things we were going to do that afternoon. We had movers coming. We had contractors coming over the weekend and all that stuff. The phone call did come in, but it was basically, hey, something happened, missing a document. We're not going to be able to close for you until Monday, right? Because for those of you who don't know, there's no such thing as closing on a weekend. Banks are closed. Nothing's yeah. moving around. So I looked at my wife and I'm like, I don't quite know what this means. I guess this means we're kind of homeless. We sold our previous house. We had nowhere to go. Ended up taking our kids and family to essentially the Holiday Inn for the weekend. And it literally took you know weeks upon weeks to untangle this whole mess that we created with this delayed closing. Like our lender, we had a massive bridge loan that we were paying a very high amount of interest for at the time. We got penalized by the builder. The movers that were supposed to come in that afternoon kind of said, hey, We've got your truck full of our stuff. What do you want us to do? Because we're booked for the weekend. Should we dump the stuff on the lawn somewhere? Right. So oh my. very, very high stress. How, do I, how did I not know this? Like if you told me, I'd keep, we tied this discussion. Yeah. So, okay. So you basically had a nightmare of a situation. Oh, totally. Totally. And then, you know, I've always been on the business side of technology. So I, you know, immediately kind of started to ask other friends, family, other folks that I knew in the business, real estate agents and so on. I said, how... Does this happen very often or am I the only kind of victim of circumstance here? And the resounding answer was, yes, it happens. Obviously, my example was a little bit extreme, but it happens, you know, when there's delays and lack of visibility and things like that, that happen with that kind of last mile of your transaction. And for me, that's all I remember. I don't remember the entire process of buying this house and all that. I still remember like looking at my kids and saying, hey, guys, you know, you wanted to move into this house on the weekend, but we're actually going to a hotel and we're going to try to figure this out next week. Right. Right. Okay. So basically you saw that there was a problem that when this unraveled, it was a created a huge catastrophe. You dealt with it. And then you thought there must be a technological solution to this. This has got to be a solvable problem. Right. And sometimes the best ideas actually come from your own pain. Like they yeah. say, scratch your own itch. And so your itch was like, wait a second. And you had another business. How long ago did you sell that business? Like the business, the previous one that you exited? Uh, just about a year before. Yeah. Okay. So you had kind of in between and you're like, hey, here's a problem I could go solve possibly. And then, all right. So, because you're a technologist and an entrepreneur, not a lawyer, like that's not your right. background, right? And so yeah. then how did you go from, hey, here's a pain point to building a very successful business in a short period of time around solving this problem? Yeah. So the first step, as I mentioned, was really to talk to people in the industry. So I had probably about 150 different conversations from different stakeholders. And what I learned from those conversations are essentially a couple of things. So first thing I learned was there's little to no transparency. So deal typically goes to a lawyer, title company, that visibility quickly disappears. And what I mean by visibility is like, we're all used to as consumers, you know, you order something from Amazon. I got AirPods the other day. I got a text that it's arriving at 11.15 and I kid you not, by 11.20, I was on a call using those AirPods because I was able to predict and get that transparency. When it comes to closing, there's unfortunately not much. In fact, you know, a lot of the brokers right. we chat with don't even know when a deal is closed, right? So you have to call your client and ask, hey, Scott, did your deal actually close or did it fund today? Which is always a little bit of an embarrassing conversation because yeah, yeah. Most, most of your clients look at you as 
you know, you're like, the broker. Shouldn't you know the answer to that question? Like that's exactly. what they would, that's what the customer's thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then a couple other things, you know, the predictability and certainty is one of those basic human needs that we all need <laughs> and we all crave and desire. There's not a lot of predictability. Unfortunately, when it came to closing, we found, you know, there's a lot that happens in the last minute. If you hit uh, month end and, you know, the staff is busy and there's lots going on, your deal might slip, might not close, you know, something might be omitted. And then all the inefficiencies. So from a customer perspective, from a borrower, you know, we're all asking for a lot of information along the way. Why are we asking for the same information five, six, seven times? It's very, very, right. very, very frustrating. So there wasn't a lot of collaboration between, you know, the broker, sometimes the real estate agent, the developer, and ultimately the borrower that's now being asked to resubmit the yeah, same Yeah, send us the same paperwork again, but we already submitted to the broker and the bank and now you want it again. It's just, it creates unnecessary friction in the entire closing process. Yeah. And so then, okay, so you got the idea, you went through the pain, you got on the phone, you talked to 150 different people, brokers, you know, probably real estate agents, lawyers. So then how do you go from that to actually creating a business? Because there's still a gap there. It's like, okay, I see there's a problem. I understand we need transparency. We need to collaborate on some of this. We need better communication yeah. between all parties involved, right? Realtor, lawyer, mortgage broker. And so how do you go from that to creating DDIF? So really after those conversations, we knew the pain and it was a matter of understanding how to prioritize those pain points, right? Because, you know, you can go on it for years solving everyone's comment, but the common things we saw, for example, Scott, you just said communication. So why is it that I can order, you know, a pizza or I can order an Uber and Uber eats for lunch and I know exactly what's going on because I get those, yeah. you know, pesky texts every 15 seconds. Hey, it's in the oven, Scott's in my door or it's yeah. at my door, please leave a tip. But, you know, for a consumer, one of the largest purchases they'll ever make is their home and their mortgage. It's a very, very high stakes, high stress transaction. So one of our first decisions is like, hey, let's bring that to the mortgage world. Right. Let's bring right. that to the closing. So we built basically a secure app that lets everybody in the transaction being, you know, the borrower, being the broker, you can add your realtor in there. We're even adding lenders in right now. So everybody can see exactly what's going on with the transaction and everybody can then collaborate along to bring that transaction to the finish line and make it a better experience ultimately for everybody involved, right? Everybody knows what's going on, but that's something that existed out there probably for 15, 20 years. And now yeah. we're, you know, we already knew what the solution is. Now we're applying So you just brought that. Yeah. And I find a lot of times my best ideas actually just come from other industries and going, what if, how could that work here? Like, what would it look like to have, you know, Domino's, I've said before, Domino's pizza tracker for your closing, which is what you guys have developed. You've developed this whole, here's where it's at, stage one, stage two, mm -hmm. and everybody gets, you know. So then, okay, you solve the technological piece of it in terms of like, okay, we create a solution, but then you still got to go out and convince lawyers that are like, hey, let's disrupt the industry, come work for us. How did that go? So I'm curious about what was that process like finding the right partners? And I got to assume that like, you know, I'm building a company right now and it's not always easy to find the right people. So what was that like? It was challenging because the biggest thing is you have to get people that see the same vision and see the same mm -hmm. future. What I saw originally is not just, you know, what we talked about a dashboard. What I saw is, you know, if we were to fast forward 10 years from now, closing a mortgage or a transaction is no different than buying something on Amazon, right? You click a checkout button, you get your documents, you sign them, you get funds in your accounts. There's a lot more transparency. And that's not to say, by the way, you know, humans are not involved, but it just makes it a much more seamless path of least resistance sort of process for the consumer, right? Because what we all know, 
at the end of the day, you know, the consumer is going to go for the best experience. I've known that from my previous companies and so on. Ultimately, now it's getting the people that'll buy into that same vision. It was a lot of conversations. It was a lot of questions back and forth. But ultimately, we were lucky enough to get a team together that not only saw the same vision, but even to this day, by the way, we turned three years old this week. And we yeah. just did a company call talking about, you know, how far we've come and really our biggest asset is our team because all our people are right. passionate and believe that, you know, closing a mortgage or closing a real estate transaction should not be painful. It should be joyous. And they're right. working very, very hard behind the scenes to make that happen, whether if it's, you know, answering a call late at night, whether if it's, uh, you know, helping with building the technology and so on. And of course, you know, a lot of it has been much like yourself. I'm sure it's iteration. We yeah. learn, we make mistakes, but we get better every time. Fortunate enough to have some really amazing partners in the industry that are very open with us. They're big promoters of DDID, but they're also mm -hmm. coming back and saying, hey, you guys missed the mark over here. And we're very, very quick to take that feedback and build that into the process. So the next time we work with them, the process is 10 times better. So we're constantly in build mode. Right, right. That's what I think too. It's never ending. The amount of like, improvements that I can see on the horizon for my own business, but also like, I'm sure you feel the same way. So then, okay, you, you understood the technological piece because you had the background on that. You found some smart people that got the vision. So then how did you go from that to then starting your first customer? We'll get into the actual, I wanted to talk about the process of DDID, but I'm just fascinated by anybody who builds something from scratch, especially something that you've grown so quickly. And then how long did it take from this kind of sucked to now we have our first customer? Like, I'm curious, what was that like? Yeah. So for us, I think a lot of it was timing as well. So we launched March 2nd of 2020. I think everybody knows what happened two weeks later. The whole world yeah. went on shutdown. It was a and perfect time to create a digital virtual closing experience. 100%. Yeah. So a lot of it was, you know, obviously the first couple months of COVID, there was a lot of uncertainty. Nobody was transacting. Everything was frozen. You can literally lie down, take a nap across the highway. If you remember that those days, right? Right. So we went now with all the traffic, but, yeah. uh, but essentially, you know, that helped us get even more motivated and really push the pedal to the metal, get out there, get the word out. We got our first set of broker partners. We got realtor partners. We got a couple of lenders on board and it really started to snowball from there. It was really just, you know, two of us in a tiny little office to now, you know, a fairly large group of people working from, we're all remote, by the way, we're all working from home. So we really mm -hmm. don't have a physical office, but it was really, you know, going back to what I said earlier, Scott, about learning and iteration. So one thing we constantly do, and even to this day, and we'll probably never stop doing is really looking at it as a partnership level. So if we're doing a deal, if you're, for example, one of our referral partners, we'll constantly ask for feedback and we want to, you know, learn and tweak and understand what we can be doing better. And literally, I know you do this at Bricks as well. We use the same agile methodology to very, very quickly drive our roadmap and say, here's the top three things that we heard this week that came back from, you know, user feedback or partner feedback mm -hmm. or anybody else that's part of our ecosystem. You're constantly seeing a new and improved DDID that, you know, is all about that experience and client service. Right. That's awesome. And so... Walk me through the process. So I'm a broker. So I get set up with you guys, probably go to dita.ca and get set up an account. Yeah. And then, so let's say I'm sending my first file. I used you guys and bought a place in March of 2022. So peak of the market, just FYI. And I also bought a place in January, 2008. So if you want to know when the peak of the market is, just follow me around because I always tend to buy then. 
I don't know what my problem is, but in any case, the experience was amazing. I'll, I'll talk about that, but walk me through what happens. So if a broker and I want to you try this out, what do I do? Absolutely. So we set you up. We have an app works on your computer, work on your phone as well. When you have a client to refer, so typically when they get their mortgage commitment and they need a lawyer to close, you would basically log in securely, put in your client's contact information based on the transaction type. You have the ability to now also upload some documents. And what that does is basically avoid us from having to go and ask for that same information again. And that's, yeah. that's the efficiency we talked about earlier. Basically from that moment, a couple of things happen. One of our, the lawyers in our network gets assigned and you as a broker gets automatically notified that uh, the lawyer has been assigned. In fact, an entire team has been assigned to work with your client. Your clients reached out to within 30 minutes. So really, really getting that momentum of, hey, commitment, to, hey, let's get this deal to the finish line and funded. So we're very, very cognizant that speed is of the essence. Your client then onboards with Deeded. You're able to then track exactly what's happening with the deal. So any given time, you don't need so to- So what are the stages, or typically, what are the stages throughout the process? Kind of like the, if we go back to the pizza analogy, the metaphor. Yeah, essentially for us, it's usually about five or six different stages. But again, it goes back to solving some of those issues that we saw. So for example, the first step is acknowledging that your information was received or your client's information was right. received as a broker. Because I know for a lot of brokers we chat with, it's like, well, hey, I sent an email, an email intro to the lawyer, but you know, an email is great, but we have junk filters. You know, some of us get, you know, three, four hundred emails a day, it can get lost. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know what happens when your client doesn't hear until you know two days before closing, throws everybody into a panic, not a great experience. So acknowledging receiving mortgage instructions, clients completed onboarding, you'll know when your client is signing their documents, which is we got amazing feedback from many uh, mortgage agents about, you know, knowing when your client's signing gives you that extra little touch point. So I can say, hey, Scott, I saw you signed at 8 p.m. Yeah. last night. How did it go? It just gives you that right, extra right. touch point. So your client knows you haven't moved on and you're still there with them until right. the deal gets funded. All the way to, of course, hey, congrats, file is funded, everything's closed. So right. literally step by step. And now the beautiful thing is, other than, you know, the broker seeing that view, your client sees the same view. So less questions, right. less anxiety, less panic attacks at 11 p.m. saying, hey, what the heck's going on? I haven't heard anything. I don't even know when it's funding. Should we even be doing this deal anymore? I think a lot of the listeners would have probably heard that at some point from some frustrated clients for sure. Mm -hmm. What I found, what was cool is that, well, first off, they jumped on like, it wasn't Zoom, it's some other tool that you guys use, but essentially we jump on this call. We say, okay, confirm your ID. Did I have to scan it or do I hold it up? I can't remember how I did it now. Just hold, just hold it up. Yeah, I hold up my ID. It's like, zip, you guys scan it. Okay, great. Now, okay, over the documents, I'm going to send you a link to your phone, iPad, whatever. And then I click on the link and I just turn my phone sideways and literally just sign on my phone any of the spots that need to be signed. It was super easy, you know, and took hardly any time at all. It was a very seamless experience. And so that was my experience with using a virtual closing and definitely better than, I didn't have to go to a lawyer's office and have to find parking. Didn't, you know, my kids are older now, but when you're younger, there's no childcare you got to worry about or trying to bring kids to a lawyer's office. And you're like, oh my gosh, please sit still, you know? And so all of that is gone. And instead I can sit there and sign, just like how many of us mortgage brokers would want to meet with your clients to sign documents? We don't anymore. No, like, and if you do, well, you know, good on you, but you're definitely the minority. Most people don't want to do that. Most people actually want it to be easier. And so I really like that. And then in terms of the communication as well, right? Like, so one of the things too, you guys also send out 
a notification like so how do they get access to the property so if they're doing a purchase and you send them the access to the lockbox if the realtor set it up that way or how does that work yeah yeah usually we'll negotiate uh making sure that the lockbox is still there on the day of closing yeah. so rather than you know the old school way was you know sometimes you got to drive across town to pick up your keys right because yeah. by the time everything clears all your monies and everything settles and the transaction is registered it might be like 4 4 30 and then you've got a half an hour to drive across town you know to a lawyer's grab office your keys but yeah keys. yeah which is insane. One of our team members actually, you know, was forced to drive across town and they wouldn't, you know, the office wouldn't stay open beyond five. They wouldn't wait for her and, but she needed mm -hmm. the keys to move in. So for us, the lockbox is there. As soon as everything goes through, it's like, Hey, Scott, here's the code. Welcome home. And then eventually that lockbox just gets uh, picked up. Right. So then again, they message them, here's the code to the lockbox and way quicker experience, way smoother easier for the customer. I just think the whole round thing is great. So I know that a lot of my broker friends have been using you guys. So what's the feedback been like that you've found so far from brokers that have been using you? The feedback's been amazing. And it really, what we found is like, obviously, you know, closing is the third leg of the stool for your transaction. A lot of brokers start to realize how important it is to have a great closing experience because that's what people will remember. They'll remember the end of the experience, right? If you think about any experience you go through, yeah you remember kind of the, you know, the tail end of what happens, lasting impressions, it's called, right? So ultimately, it's not even just about making the closing more seamless and all the tools and the virtual and tracking. The biggest benefit we find in the feedback that we get from the brokers that use Deeded is they get reviews like amazing and wow, and that becomes an extension of your brand, right? So right. when your client's having their housewarming party and their friends and family ask them who they've used for the mortgage, you want to be top of mind. And the only way to be top of mind is to leave a very memorable experience. You know, that's what we ultimately do. Deeded acts as a, an extension of your brand to make sure that that last leg, that final mile of the transaction goes as smooth as possible. And we do that by giving you that control, that visibility, and also saving you a lot of time. So a lot of brokers, you know, constantly call us and say, look, you know, gone are the days where chatted with someone the other day. It's like every deal, I have to make six or seven phone calls to make sure that you know the lawyers got everything and that mortgage instructions mm. have come in and my client's information is correct. What's that time worth, right? That time that you can get back, you can use it to work on your next deal, you can find your next referral right. partner and grow your business versus babysitting, you know, a part of the process. Babysitting a file, yeah, a partner's, which really shouldn't be something you have to babysit. It should be, that's like, we've handed the ball off. So now it should just be, let them run with the ball. Right. And, you know, a couple of the things that I like about that you guys do, one is, if you're collecting fees on a file, you guys pay digitally and you pay really quick. Like there's still some law firms, which as this is a new thing to me as a broker owner, they mail me checks and I'm like, dang it. And then sometimes they don't send them to the right place. And so I've got checks right now that were sent. And so I'm like, this is a pain. Why didn't you just digitally send me the stinking money? And then I can pay my agent, you know, so that I really like that you guys do that. And how long does it take for you guys to send it? Is it within 24 hours or how does it usually work? It's instant. So basically if we use the same system. When they get their money, you get your money. It's all the same system. Yeah. So as soon as that button is pushed, everybody gets paid. Right. And yeah, right. no checks, no snail mail, no, you know, broker fees, for example, getting lost. Like we've got, you know, a function that we've built even around that to capture, you know, if you are collecting a broker fee on a deal it's flagged, it's captured, it's paid, right? So it just yeah. makes it really, really simple and digital. Digital, yeah. And the other one that I like is that if there is, which can happen from time to time, there's something that discrepancy in down payment or there's like, hey, something's off. 
you guys won't reach out to the client and say, hey, you need an extra, you know, $10,000 or something. Your default setting is check with the broker first, because sometimes, well, in most cases, the broker can solve the problem. Once in a while, there's a genuine problem that can't be solved. But 99% of the time, there's just been some miscommunication or something that needs to be solved. And I would rather as the broker be the person to be stick handling that with the lender rather than the client getting into a panic because all of a sudden now it's like, hey, oh, great, you need to show up. And oh, by the way, there's this issue. Now the client's freaking out, right? Right. So, and even if it's only freaking out for a half a day, it still created unnecessary anxiety. Like even if it was, okay, they kind of freak out, they call you, you get it sorted by the end of the day. It's like, well, now why can't you just solve that? And they don't even need to know about it. Like it doesn't, sure. it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, no, it's a great point, Scott. I was using the anecdote the other day you know, you go to a restaurant and they serve you a dish and maybe it's not the best, you know, it's cold, it's not to your liking. You never have the waiter turn around and say, wow, that damn chef or, you know, somebody in a kitchen screwed it up. We all work as a team, right? So right. at the end of the day, a client's looking at their broker for an outcome, right? They're looking to, yeah. you know, from, from beginning to end, I have a need, you know, I need money to, you know, refinance and buy, you know, maybe my dream home or maybe, you know, whatever it is, whatever their desire is, you know, a mortgage is a means to an end, but they're looking at you to deliver that outcome. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many, you know, hamsters have to run in squeaky wheels to make stuff happen. And sometimes running backwards to make that happen. Yeah. At the end of the day, the way we look at it is we're an extension of your brand and we want to make it the best and most seamless experience. So really resolve all those squeaky wheels in the background. And at the end of the day, make sure that your client walks away with a really, really great experience. Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, my personal experience has been amazing with you guys and feedback has been fantastic. And you're constantly iterating and improving. So anything that you guys catch that is, you know, okay, we can make that better. You're not content to just leave it as it is. You don't keep the advantage if you don't keep working at it. That's the thing. Like you really do have to keep working at the, if you had an advantage with timing and strategy, you have to maintain it. So where can people find out more about you if they want to go check it out? Couple ways. So deeded.ca, D E D E D dot CA. I think we'll have a link uh, probably in the episode or email me uh, personally and happy to chat and explain things. My personal email is Reuven, R E U V E N, at deeded.ca. Feel free to email me anytime. Hit me up. Yeah, awesome. Hey, Reuven, thanks for chatting with me, man. And I know that you and I chat from time to time about just, you know, entrepreneurship and business. I always enjoy my discussions with you and I love what you're doing with deeded and I'm telling you guys, give them a try, check it out. It's a fantastic experience for the client and makes it just so much easier for you too. So peace out, man. Thanks for chatting with me. Thanks, Scott. Pleasure. All right. Thanks again for listening to that conversation with Reuven. Hopefully you got you know inspired on what to expect or what you should expect anyway from a good legal partner when it comes to closings. Go check them out if you get a chance. I think you'll really be impressed. In this next segment, I talked to Kevin from KDK about the fact that they don't just do auto loans, even though that's the number one thing people go to them for. There's other things they lend on, not just cars. Hey, Kevin, uh, welcome to Ask the Experts. Thanks for having me back, Scott. Appreciate it. So, hey, today's topic that I want to chat with you about is that people probably don't know this, but you do auto loans, obviously, you know, refinance, cash, equity, takeout, title transfers, but you also, it's not just cars. And so I wanted you to share some examples of problems that you solve for mortgage brokers, but it wasn't actually a car. It was some other type of asset that you guys can do loans on. So why don't we jump into that? Yeah, so I'll dive right in. So obviously uh, doing autos, that's our bread and butter. That's the majority of our business, but we also have lending on RVs, trailers, boats, and motorcycles. So there's been a couple situations where, you know, the client's got a boat or a trailer or a motorcycle and they need help on those assets as well. 
just to kind of give you an example on where that could really work out well, we just had a client just last week, actually, who had two units. He had a, a 2012 F-150, which is too old for us to finance on the auto end, but he also had a 2012 trailer. So the nice thing about trailers and boats and RVs, we can actually do as old as 2005. So it opens up the, wow. the depth on can lend on. So that was a nice one. So what we did there is his combined payments were $1,600 a month between the truck and the trailer. And by the time we ended up consolidating the two, so we took the balance of the truck loan and added it to the trailer loan, did a reamortization up to, I think it was 10 or 15 years, I'd have to check. And we ended up reducing the combined payments down from 1600 down to 700 So there was $900 a month savings and it got him the mortgage. And these are kind of situations that happen on the daily. The nice thing about trailers, boats, RVs, is we can get up to 20 years amortization. So if the client has one of those assets and they're looking for, you know, cash back consolidation or whatever it may be, by the time you lump in cash back on a 20-year AM, you're going to be able to access quite a bit of cash. And a lot of times their payments don't even go up. So it's a really good tool to use if you run into one of those. Okay. So I have many questions as I often do with these things. And so why can they be older? Maybe just help me understand this, like compared to your car loans and why can they be longer on a trailer, for instance, versus a car? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's just the way it's set up. So we have access to what's called dealer services. That's the bank lending that we have. And it's just the parameters that they use for whatever reason. I think it has something to do with the value. Like you can have, you know, a 2005, you know, motorhome that's still worth a couple hundred grand, right? So it's just that the way the banks are set up, that they'll do up to 96 months on auto and then up to 20 years on boats, trailers, and RVs. Because a lot of times an older boat is still- Wait, Okay. Like, I mean, you've been in the business a long time. Why do you think banks, mortgage, like lenders will lend longer on a trailer versus a car? Well, like what is it just get less wear and tear, do you think? Because it sits there all the time. Like, does it hold its value longer? I like, I'm just trying to understand the, like, it's awesome, but I'm yeah. just trying to understand that part. Possibly, like uh, as far as the bank's reasoning, the only thing that I can really think about is dollar value because, uh, you know, the trailers are quite expensive compared to cars, right? So you come in, down to affordability. Right. So if you're looking at an eighty dollars or $90,000 trailer for the average family, you need to have that long amortization to even make it affordable. So it's just the way that the banks are set up. Right. Oh, probably the people who sell the trailers have had to push to get that extended in order to be able to sell the trailers, which means once the financing has been approved, if the bank or the lender is cool with it, then it works for all, you know, for the rest of them. So basically 2012. So just so I'm aware on anything to do with the trailer, 2012. And what's the max loan to value that you could do? If something's worth say a hundred thousand dollars, what would be max? Is it similar to like autos with 140 to 180% or is it different? It's the exact same. Yeah. So the advances are the exact same. So average credit up to 140%. And then if you're really, really strong credit, like 750 beacons, strong, clean and thick, we can get up to 180%. So it is definitely uh, an easy way to access the money, especially if you're into those big dollar amounts, like you're looking at a $100,000 rig or something, you can access quite a bit of money out of those. Okay. So trailer, you basically, this person had a trailer and you, you were able to save them 900 bucks a month, which is a huge difference in TDS. Can you give me another example of something that's not an auto loan that you guys did recently to help somebody out? Yeah, we just did. Uh, we had a really successful uh, businessman in Ontario, actually, who needed some quick cash, similar to the uh, Ferrari deal that I spoke about on our last podcast. He had a free and clear boat that was worth about a million bucks, and he needed some quick cash for an investment property. So what he needed was uh, $800,000. So all we did is we set up a commercial loan because he has a company, and we were able to do the loan underneath his company and free up uh, $800,000. And he had his check in 72 hours. 
made his investment and he's off to the races. So it's really cool to see the different types of clients that we kind of talk to on a daily basis. We've got total end of the spectrum. We've got super successful business people that are just looking to free up cash quickly. And then we've also got clients that are, you know, struggling and need some help with some credit card debt and stuff like that. So the nice thing about our company is it's quick, it's easy compared to branch lending. You're going to save a ton of money on interest rates and speed. Like I said, like to get that kind of money and, in under 72 hours without proof of income or anything like that, try to uh, get that done. Crazy the town. Yeah. It's crazy. So, and a million dollar boat, that's gotta be quite the rig. Like uh, a very nice boat. Yeah. Right. How many feet was it? Like you remember? This one, I think it's actually like a fishing boat rig. It was kind of cool. Have you ever seen Michael Jordan's boat? It was kind of like similar to style to that. Uh, it was like a high end fishing boat, but uh, I think it was like 30 feet or something like that. It wasn't super big, but it's just really, really nice. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's more like a little yacht kind of thing where it's used for like, not a yacht, but like, I think it has to be over 40 feet or something to be a yacht. Uh, okay, yeah, so. Yeah, it was a yacht, but super nice boat. Right. Rich people problems, right? Hey, it's not quite a yacht, <laughs> but what are you going to do? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have that problem. I'm like, you know, I'm more like a pickup truck kind of dude. Okay, so yeah. uh, just so you guys are paying attention, trailers are something that you guys can use. We're talking about like the trailers we use for camping and, you know, are you talking about trailers that are like a flat deck? that somebody uses to haul things or is that no. not what you're talking about? No, we actually, I've been asked about those quite often, horse trailers and stuff like that. We don't do that type of lending, but we do, like you said, travel trailers, recreational vehicles, stuff like that. Okay. And you can do this on like class A, class C, doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. Uh, absolutely. You can right. be a fifth wheel, a bumper tow, whatever, uh, even a motorized RV. We've done a couple uh, really expensive motorized RVs. They can get quite, quite pricey as well. And uh, yeah, pretty much like you said before, anything with a VIN we're in and you're good to go. Anything with a VIN we're in. Oh my gosh. That should be like on your shirt. Call Vinny. VIN. Yeah. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> okay, so trailers, boats, what would be another type of thing that's not a car that you guys can do loans on? Yeah, uh, motorcycles. So that's another piece of our puzzle as well. So we do auto, trailer, boat, RV, and motorcycles. We do a few of. The nice thing about motorcycles is it works similar to the advances on car loans and stuff like that. So we can get up to 140, 180% on motorcycles as well. But the real kicker on motorcycles is when a client buys a motorcycle through the dealership, typically the rates are high and they use like a lend care and these kind of secondary uh, financial institutions where we use a regular bank. So we'd get the loan set so up. So why, okay, why is that? Why would the rates be higher on a typical motorcycle loan versus a car loan or something? Yeah, I think it's because they get paid a little bit more from those high interest rate lenders at the dealership level. That's the only common sense that I could think behind it because it's rarely have I ran into a situation where I wasn't able to redo the client's motorcycle loans for like three to 4% less interest quite easily. So the only thing that I can think of is that they must have some sort of incentive from the manufacturer to use a certain lender, but we always drop the interest rate two to 3% on motorcycles. So it's a win-win. They're accessing some cash. They can get that out of the bike, drop the rate, and it's a win all the way around. Right. Okay. Awesome. So any last kind of comments on this or anything that we missed when it comes to non-auto type loans that you guys do? Not really. Like it just comes down to uh, if you run into an asset and it's any one of those pieces and you're looking for cash back or payment reductions, just send me the information I need to give you a broker quote. And even if it's not something that you're going to need to necessarily get the mortgage done, in the case like the motorcycle, you might just see an opportunity to save your clients some money on interest rate, right? Just dig in, ask a couple of questions, and it could lead to uh, you know, a $500 commission fairly quickly and at the same time helping out your client. Right. Okay. That's really good. And if you guys are listening to this, go to kdkfinancial.com. Kevin and his team can help you out. And honestly, uh, I saw a post recently from Jim Talukas. I think he'd helped him out with one of his clients. And 
you asked the question, who's the company that does this stuff? And somebody posted in there and then he'd reached out to you. So kudos to you guys for what you're doing and helping people. And as you said, it's the full spectrum. We got people that are trying to improve their TDS and somebody who's an investor who's got assets that just wants access to cash. And you've got a solution for both. So thanks, Kevin, for chatting with me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode from my conversation with Reuven, as well as with Kevin. Hopefully you got some ideas for your business. If you're listening to this, I encourage you to go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We have a free power search tool that allows you to keyword search all of our past episodes. It's very powerful. It can jump right to the episode when the word was spoken. If you go full screen mode, you can see the script. So that all the words are on the screen. This is the odd spelling mistake, but you get the point. You can actually literally copy and paste scripting right from that. It's totally free. Check it out at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And thank Thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.